being seated and uh, finding a spot to sit, why don't you take just a moment to turn to people that are right close to you and uh, just share with them maybe one or two of your favorite New Year's resolutions. Don't have to be yours, but just uh, take a moment to do that. So, okay, so we've got a bunch of New Year's resolutions that people make. What are some of the kind of ones that stand out to you that we kind of hear all the time? What are some kind of exercise, right? Lose weight, lose weight, got that one. How about gain weight? Like, I want to gain about 20 pounds this year. Have you ever heard that one? Okay, no, all right. What else? Read my Bible, okay. What else? Save money, deal with finances, right? Okay, good. I was reading on a couple and uh, one of uh, a, a couple of lists of New Year's resolutions. Not always the best, but one of them was uh, I want to I want to help save uh, water resources, so I'm not going to shower as much and just wear a lot more cologne. That was one. Uh, one of them was I just uh, when I go outside to make sure I've got my pants on. I mean, there were uh, some. <laughs> I mean, there are some odd New Year's resolutions that people make, but uh, anyway. Um, and I think one of those great ones for us is what we talked about just a few moments ago that we, we spoke about last week as well, and that is that 15-minute challenge. What a great way to kind of put that, a resolve, into your life to resolve, I'm going to put that very first part of my life, that first part of my day with God, I'm going to set aside some time to connect with God. Because I want to maximize my experience with God this year in 2016. I don't want it to go by, maybe like in the past. I really want to focus my attention on a daily basis to the best of my ability. I want to put God first. And that 15-minute challenge is a great way to begin that. And I think if you've never done that before, just jump in and start. And like I said, on that little, uh, the message notes at the bottom, there's some, some easily, uh, easy to connect to apps, etc., to give you some places to start as well. If you need more suggestions, come and talk to one of our staff. Talk to Tim or myself or one of the staff folks. We'd love to chat about that with you as well. Well, today, last week we talked about in the Get Fit series kind of getting spiritually fit. We know that that is the priority for us, and everything else that we're talking about in this series really comes out of that very first component piece, to get spiritually fit first, to make sure that our connection and relationship with God is at the core of what we do. Today we're talking about getting relationally fit. How does God play into the relationships that we have, not only with Him, but our relationships with others, whether it's our spouse, our family, our neighbors, our friends, people that we don't even know yet, but acquaintances? How do we build healthy and strong relationships, and why is that so important to us? Why is that such an important part for us? Well, we need close friendships and relationships to walk through life. In Genesis, God talks about at the very beginning of things, in the garden, before things had really gotten going, sin hadn't even entered into the process yet. And yet at the very beginning, everything God saw was really, really good, except when he looked around, he saw something that wasn't that good, and he said, it's not good for man, it's not good for a person to be alone. Whether it's a man or a woman, we need to be in relationships. God noticed that right away. God said, people need to be in relationship with other human beings. That's important. So I want to give you a couple of things uh, about that. But before I do, you know, in the 20th century, other than the Bible, the most sold book 
of the 20th century, the best-selling book of that time was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Interesting, huh? How do I gain friends? How do I develop friendship relationships? Very important. Psychologists call this the universal need to belong. We have a need to belong. We need those close relationships and friendships in our life. Why is that so important? Well, let me mention three benefits right off the bat. So if you're following along on your message notes, here they are really quickly. The first is this. The first benefit we get is an emotional benefit. A California Department of Mental Health study discovered that if you were um, disconnected from people, you had no significant relationships or friends, no real friends, listen to this, you are four times more likely to suffer from emotional burnout. You are five times more likely to suffer clinical depression. And hear this, you are 10 times, 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional disorder. We need friends around us. We need people that care about us, that understand us. First of all, emotional benefit is good medicine. Friends are good medicine for us. The second is there are physical benefits when we connect to other people. Every once in a while, I'll go to visit someone that's in the hospital. I remember a couple years ago, I went to visit a, a guy that was in the hospital, and he was in the critical care unit of the hospital. And when I got there, uh, he was in pretty bad shape. He was in rough shape physically. And I went to him and I said, is it okay? Hey, can I pray with you? Can I read some scripture with you? And so I, read a, I sat down, I read a passage of scripture to him. And as I went to pray with him, I just reached out my hand and I, and I held his hand as I prayed for him. When I got done praying for him, I looked up and there's just tears streaming down his face. When we make a physical connection, physical touch is important to people. Whether it's a hug, it's a handshake, whether it's greeting someone. But that is a physical benefit for us is to connect with other people. It's powerful. God knows that about us. Then there's also spiritual benefits. Did you know that many sociologists are saying that the 21st century in America is one of the loneliest societies of all time? With all of the people that we have in all of the cities all around us, we are a lonely place. People are disconnected. It's easy to be caught up in technology in our relationships. It's so easy to connect and go to work, whether it's at your house or whether you go someplace, be behind a computer, be connected to people, but only in a, in a world of technology and not in a face-to-face -face way. Mother Teresa, when she was alive, and one of the last things she did is she visited America, and she spoke at a national prayer breakfast, and she said this. I think it's incredibly telling. I see in America a deeper poverty than I see anywhere else in the world. She said, when I look at the faces of people in America, I see loneliness like I have never seen anywhere else on the entire planet. That's Mother Teresa. She's speaking about America. We have all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of things. We're blessed beyond whatever, beyond measure, but yet we are, can be incredibly lonely. Now, I don't do this very often, but I want to do it today. I want to stop right here, and I want to pray with us. Because you could have come this morning and be among a bunch of people here, and you might have walked into this place and you're lonely. You might have come to this place today and you're just disconnected in relationships. Or maybe you have a relationship that's gone completely south. 
or you've been kind of feeling alienated away from God. But I want to pray for us today, so why don't you just do that with me? God, today we, we come into this place to meet you, and yet we can be incredibly lonely. We can feel that we have few friends, if any. We can, we can feel that no one knows what we're going through or cares. We can sense at time, God, that our, our life is a bit in crisis in relationships. Something's tearing us up. And so, God, would you just move in to our hearts today? Would you come in in a gentle way and remind us that we're loved, that we are cared for, that you know our deepest need? Whatever relational need that is today for you, can you just give that to him? And say, God, I, I need your help here. I need your courage, your strength. I need you, God. Because God hears us. So, Heavenly Father, would you just fall on us today with your love for us, your reassurance that we belong to you. We pray that, Jesus, in your power. Amen. I love what it says in Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 5. It says, his unchanging plan, God's, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. Wow. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. To be adopted into God's family. Have you ever been around another family? Maybe you grew up with one or someone near you and said, man, I'd love to be in that family. I would love to be a part of that family. Somebody down the street or a friend at school or someone that you knew, an acquaintance, and you go, they have the greatest family. I'd love to be in that family. And God says, I want you to be in my family. Is there any greater family than God's family? God says, I want you to belong to my family. That's why you're here. I want you to belong and be a part, a vital part of who I am and what I'm doing. You can be a part of God's family. I love that. God wants us to be a part of God's family. He wants to adopt all of us, all of us in. Whether we're in this room right now, whether it's people down the street, whether it's people all across the world, God says, I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I love that. Sometimes we can see in American Christianity it being so individualistic. I need to make my particular personal decision for Jesus. And that is incredibly important that all of us do that. That we have that moment, those moments in time where God draws us to Himself and we submit to the Lordship of Jesus. We fall before Him and we say, Lord, would you just receive me as I am a sinful person? Would you redeem me? Would you make me a part of your family? We all know that's essential and important. If you haven't done that in your life, I'd love to talk with you about that. It's not difficult to do. But sometimes we see that in America as like I've got Jesus or it's God and me or whatever that is, and that's it. And people miss out. People miss out. People miss out on the journey with God and being a part of the family of God. And that's what I want to talk about really today is I want to talk about some essential components, four essential components that have to do with that relational connection 
to Jesus, to God, and to other people, and why that's so important for us. So here we go. There's a word in the Bible, a Greek word. It is the Greek word for fellowship or relationship. It is the word koinonia, and it means to have in common, that we're in common, we're connected. We have this community. We have this communal connection. That's the word for fellowship in the Bible. So let me give you four essential components of that connection with God. The first, if you're following along in the notes, is this, membership. And what I mean by this is choosing to belong. I'm not talking about belonging to Costco or having a secret handshake or wearing a special uniform or anything like that or even joining a church in an official capacity. I'm just talking about belonging to God. I'm just talking about being in a place where you choose to belong. I choose to belong to what God is doing in this place because that's vital. In Ephesians 2.19 it says, so now you are no longer strangers and aliens and foreigners. You are members of God's family. When we make that decision to to follow into a relationship with Jesus, it teaches us that we're no longer foreign to God. We're no longer separate from God. We don't live in a distant land away from God. No, we're family to God. We belong, and we're a part of God's family. Sometimes you'll hear people say, sometimes I hear people say things like, well, uh, my church is I go to Bedside Baptist. It's a joke, okay? And I go to Bedside Baptist. Or, hey, I just, I just like being out in nature. I can worship God among the trees. Well, that sounds okay. But the problem is, is that when you hit some rocky point in your life, your health goes south. A tree is not going to visit you in the hospital. Right? Not going to happen. You need people around you. You need people that will encourage you and challenge you. You need people that will lift you up. You need people that will understand the pain that you're going through, the celebrations that you celebrate with God. You and I need people around us in distinct relationships, and that's really what the family of God, the church, is about. It's about being a part of God's family. That's huge. You know, a few weeks ago, I shared with you the idea of if, if you are kind of a top five or a top ten list, I don't know if you remember that, but I shared with you this idea that in my life as a man, who are the top five, top ten women in my life that are key influencers? And if you're a woman, who are the top five or top ten men that are the key influencers for you? For me to grow in what it means for me to be a godly man, I need that balance. I need women who speak into influence my life in a way that helps me to become a more godly guy. And for women, the same thing. Who are the men that are influencing and developing and challenging you to be the woman that God made you to be? Who are those? Who are those top five or top ten people? It's a great exercise. Do that if you haven't done it. And thank God for those people. And they may have been past, or they may have been in your present, a combination of those things, that's great. But about a couple of weeks ago, one of my top ten women passed away. And that's hard for me to even tell you. I mean, I I go, this is a top ten person of my life. And they passed away. But this person was incredible. She, She and her husband, amazing people, friends of our family for years. I grew up with their kids 
but just the way in which they, they moved into relationships with people. Their home seemed to always be open. They always had people coming and going from their home. They were the ones that continued to, to help to give and help people who were in need. They were the ones that drove things to help make sure that missionaries that were serving God in other places had brand new stuff, new clothes, new things for them. They were the people that didn't care what your station in life was. They wanted to connect with you. They took bold steps to connect and draw you in. Sometimes it's so easy for us to only connect with certain types of people. I call this kind of, um, it's sort of like the Lego dynamic. You know what Legos are, right? Okay. Legos have like six connecting spots on a Lego. And for a lot of us, our, our, our Lego quotient is about that. We look at the relationships we have, and we can only have so many connections of relationships of friendship going. And I would challenge you to say that, you know what, maybe I always try to keep at least one of those Lego, one or two or a few of those Lego things open for me. Maybe you need to be thinking about how you can connect with another Lego, another person, another person that doesn't know you. You've got the connections with people that you already know. You're a part of groups of friends that you already know. You may come to Hope Church and you've got your relationships pretty well in order. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to think through, maybe you should open up some slots on there to connect with some other people because you'll discover some relationships that you never thought possible. And God will bring some people into your life that maybe they're quite a bit different from you. They're not exactly like your Lego piece but they will help to complete who you are and openness to new relationships as well as moving on with relationships of significance along the way. It says in Romans 12, 5, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. There are people coming new to hope all the time. Are you a part of the process of maybe beginning to connect with some folks that are newer here along the path if you've been here for a while? Well, so that's the, first, that's the first level. That's membership. Here's the second one. The second one is friendship, learning to share. Friendship, learning to share. Learning to share in Acts chapter 2, which I love. If you read chapters 2, 3, and 4 of Acts, boy, you get this incredible picture of the early church as it began. It says, all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Now, I want you to notice two things. One, you can't develop friendships without meeting together. You can't develop friendships without meeting together with people. And second, you can't develop friendships without sharing your life. You need to be in connection with people and you need to be willing to share something of your life, which sometimes is very challenging, but we need to do that. Do you ever see some people that maybe they, you're, you're, you see them and they've maybe had friendships for 20 or 30 years with people, and you go, wow, how did they do that? How did they build those awesome friendships? I mean, how lucky are they to have these incredible friendships? But really, luck has nothing to do with it. It doesn't. My second year of college, I transferred from going to a, a junior college in California to a Christian college in Seattle. And it was my sophomore year, and I was really excited about going. 
And you find out along the way, like, who your roommate's going to be, and you're wondering what that's going to be like, and I didn't know what that was going to be like. And I had some friends from my home church that already went to that college, and, and they had been there the year before. And so they asked me, they said, so do you know who your roommate is? And I said, yeah. And I gave them the guy's name, and they went, whoa, whoa. I was like, what does that mean? And I was like, what, what are you talking Whoa, you just wait. I was like, what is that? So when I got to the school, I was like kind of a bit ambivalent about meeting my roommate. So my roommate shows up. I show up in the room that we're going to share, and he's six foot ten. And he's on the basketball team. He has no desire to know anything about God. And the first thing he says to me is he points his finger at me and says, you won't last. You won't last. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, last year I had four roommates in the first quarter and a half. None of them lasted. And I like it that way. I had my own room the rest of the time. That's the way it is. That's the way I like it. You won't last. Now, I'm just, about, you know, kind of pugnacious enough to say, you know what? Nobody says that to me. So, like, I'm going to last. I don't care what's going on. I'm lasting. I mean, this guy was so big, you could fold him in half, he'd fill up our room. I mean, this guy was like hung over the bed two feet. He was amazing. And he was like known as kind of the partier for the entire school. He would be off and he'd go to frat parties at the University of Washington. He'd call me up in the middle of the night drunk and he'd ask me, come and get me. And I'd have to get in my car and drive over and pick him up. His last name was Kilpatrick. His nickname was Kills. And there's some rocky things going on at the first part of that year. The challenges of getting to know him. Wondering what that's going to be like, if I'm going to make it, if what's going to happen in that thing. But over that year, stuff began to smooth out a bit. We began to talk a lot more. We hung out a bit. He began to change quite a bit. I began to befriend him quite a bit. My other friends came alongside. By the end of that year, man, I loved that guy. Became one of my best friends. It's not luck, it's investment. And some of you, maybe it's been a while since you've invested in new relationships. For some of you, it's relooking at some relationships in a fresh light with God. Maybe it's overcoming some things that you thought are impossible, but God says yes. I'm not saying that there aren't difficult or challenge, challenging relationships that maybe aren't working and that you need to let those relationships go. But for oftentimes, for a lot of us, our Lego block is full and we don't let anybody else on. I'm just challenging you. You might be missing out on some great relationships if you will open up. For a lot of people, they're too busy for relationships. They're working too hard. They're trying to achieve too much, whatever, on and on and on. There was an article about why a sense of community is not very strong in suburban America. People that we live to next door to, we may be disconnected from those people. And in that article, it said that one of the major culprits was automatic garage door openers. 
Because it's easy, right? You get in your car, you're driving home, you hit your garage door opener, in you go, hit the garage door opener, and shut the door. And that's it. But you know what? Here's the thing. I learned this. You know, years ago, when they built houses, they built front porches on houses. And there were benches on those front porches. And when your neighbors came by, they could come and sit on the porch with you. Or you could go and sit on the porch with them. Or if they were taking a walk, they'd see you out in front of your house and you'd converse with those people. It was built for relationship. It was built for you to have a connection, to know, to be known by people around you. Wow. Well, one of the easy ways to begin to step into relationships, if you're not there yet, is that we offer small groups here. And we're trying to launch some new ones in the next couple of weeks. In fact, we're looking for people to join into small groups that maybe you've never been a part of one. Maybe you are a part of a small group. And maybe you've been a part of one for 30 years. It's the same one. Maybe you need some fresh things to move around and maybe connect with some some people that you don't know as well. That's not a bad thing. That's a healthy thing. So let me just invite you to think about connecting in small groups to people because that's a great way to begin. So that's the second one. Here's the third, partnership doing my part. Partnership doing my part. It's realizing that I have a contribution to make. It's realizing that you have a contribution to make with your life. When we're a part of the family of God, we have things that we're gifted to do. We have abilities, we have passions, we have hopes, we have dreams, we have ways to connect, we have a part to play. God designed it that way. We're coming up on a thing right now um, called uh, Serve the Church Day in February. And what a great way to partner with some other people. I found that in my life, the way that I grow closest to people in the church is, is uh, I like speaking, but that's not it. It's when I get to serve with a group of people because we're working together. We have a common purpose. We're expending energy. We're talking. We're laughing. We're praying. We're, we're working together. We're in partnership. That's the way we grow. It's, it's easy to walk in here, come, listen, sing, worship, and walk out of here. But God didn't design us to be that way. God designed us to be in partnership with people, to actually get to know people and care about them, to rub shoulders with people and know that when we do that, we're stronger. What we accomplish is stronger. And God is blessed because we're doing that. He wants to make a difference in your life, in and through your life. He brought you here to serve. Even if you don't know where to serve today, he'll find that place for you. We can help you find that place. We can help you discover your gifts and abilities. But you have to want that. You have to understand that God didn't design the church to be a spiritual spa for you. He did not. It's designed for you to come and participate and be a part of it. And that, my friend, is what makes it fun and makes it work. Wow. We're partners. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, we are partners working together for God. Partners. Partners who spread the gospel, who live lives together, we're partners. Partners who accomplish what God wants to accomplish, we're partners. When we have challenges to face as a church, we're partners. When we need to know what direction to go, we're prayer partners. We're partners. Here's the last one. Kinship. Kinship, which is a really tender word. 
It is a really heartfelt word. It is the deepest of the relationship words. It means to care deeply about a person in such a way that you prioritize them in your life the way Jesus prioritizes you. It's a word that means a willingness to sacrifice on behalf of another. It means that just as Jesus sacrificed his life for you, you have a willingness to give up and sacrifice for God on behalf of others. That is kinship. It is the deepest level of friendship, fellowship. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love is what Scripture says. It's that level where I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Most of us know John 3.16, but maybe we don't know 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says this, We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And we ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. Give up our lives is to sacrifice at the deepest level on behalf of others. It means that I place others in front of my wants and desires. I want people to grow, then I'm going to sacrifice some things for their growth. If I want people to learn, I'm going to sacrifice to help them learn. It's not about me. It's about sacrificing for Christ for others. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, you know that there's times when you sacrifice on behalf of your kids. You give up your time. You give up money and resources. You give opportunities to do things at points so that you can help your kids to do what they need to do. You give up opportunities so that they'll learn. You've come to a point where you're willing to sacrifice for their growth. And that's what that's talking about in the church. It's not that much different. It's not always about me. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants to do through me. It's about my surrender to God to say, I am willing to sacrifice so that person over here can grow. I'm willing to be here and allow things to be adjusted in a way so that when people come, they can grow. I'm willing to sacrifice. I want to be a part of what God's doing because when we do that, the family grows. The whole place grows. You see, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm not so concerned about the growth of the church and its size. That's important to me, but that's not the most essential. I'm not that concerned as the essential core value about our strategy, although that's important to me. I'm not that concerned about worship style, although that's important to me. But the hallmark of what I believe is the most important thing for me as I look at Hope Church is that we would be a people who love people. Let me say that again. I want to be the place that when people come in here, they know they're loved. I want to be the place that when you walk in, people greet you and love you and care about you and you know it. And that when people walk into this place, you walk up to them and you care about them and you love them. Because that's at the core of what God is trying to teach us about relationships. 
It's at the core of what the world will see in us is if they see us love each other in a way that the world doesn't love. That's at the core. That's what it means to be a kinship family of God. It's people who are willing to sacrifice because we love each other. So why don't you pray with me? And as we pray, let me just ask a couple of questions of you today. Maybe, maybe you need to get fit relationally in some area. Of the four things we talked about today, maybe it's taking a hard look at those levels and just where are you at? Have you made a decision to be a part of the family of like the member, being a member, a committed person that belongs here? And I'm not talking about official membership. I'm just talking about belonging here. Are you a person who belongs? Have you chosen to belong here? Perhaps that's, that's the area you need to look at. Maybe it's just learning to, to share with people. And where you're willing to do that, where you're willing to take on being a part of sharing your life with other people. Doing your part, that's partnership. Finding your niche, finding where it fits for you, how God designed you, and how to become a part of what he wants to do in and through your life. Maybe there's that deepest level where you need to know that you need to be devoted to others around you. You need to break, allow God to break you to the point of saying, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice God for you because I want to see people grow. I'll do whatever it takes, God, to be the person you want me to be. Maybe that's you today. What better time than as we enter into a new year, a new calendar year to kind of fresh start about what it means to belong and be a part of the family of God here at Hope Church. God, you know our hearts. We pray right now that you speak into our hearts life and hope and joy. And the things we've talked about today, God, really bring us great joy when we walk with you. So Heavenly Father, today, would you just you know, breathe into us those incredible reassurance of joy and passion and hope and grace. God, would you be the God of grace in our lives today? And may we not miss that as we seek to belong to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.